Hey y'all, this is Ashley Mayfield with Created to Connect, and we are here this morning to talk about suffering. We have a five-week series, and this is week one. So I'm with uh, Rebecca Loper and Angela Keel, and we are really excited today to just kind of dive into suffering. We're going to just really talk about some examples of suffering, what the world teaches us about suffering, what does the Bible say about suffering, and how do we overcome it. And so I think we'll just start today with um, really talking about examples of suffering in the world. We're also going to maybe share some personal examples in our own lives of how we've suffered, and we just are excited for you to join us today. And, and really hear what we have to say. We just pray that the Lord would press these truths that we unravel today on your heart and just that you would really ponder what the Lord has to say about potential suffering in your life and how he can help you overcome it. Thanks, Ashley. So we're going to look at um, some examples of suffering in the world um, today in our own life personally, in the lives of people that we love, and just in the world in general. So what are some mental or emotional um, examples of suffering that we see personally in, in the world right now? I think anxiety and depression are just such a, a big thing um, in the Christian community and in and outside of the Christian community. I mean, no one's exempt from that. I agree. With all the stuff we have going on in our world, all of the unknowns and with the pandemic and now, you know, just the economy and, and the possibility of international war and all of that stuff, I feel like everybody is on high alert and that it's either going one or two ways. It's either very depressing or it's uh, revving them up and making them very anxious. So I think that's definitely something we can all relate to, whether we're believers or not believers. I think everybody struggles with anxiety right now. And I think too, just some other aspects of life feeling inadequate, you know, as mothers or wives as friends losing uh, loved ones also just financial strains you know i don't know i've got several people in my life right now that are just really concerned about how to to pay their bills or uh, people who've lost their jobs so there's just a lot weighing on us right now and of course don't forget that we've got the enemy you know pounding on us every second to create that emotional and mental suffering and to just make it worse so true. Yeah. And I think being in, just being in, um, for a lot of people too, being in a, a lonely marriage, like we're just feeling, you know, you can be living with somebody, but feel very alone and very isolated um, and misunderstood by that person or in, you know, family members, in-laws, it really doesn't matter. I think that any of those relationships with people where you're around them a lot, but you're feeling um, misunderstood or alone, I think that's a lot of emotional um, a suffering it is because it's something you're walking on a daily basis and it's very painful and, and you don't feel like you always have someone you can talk to so um, let's move on to physical I feel like this is obvious um, we know with disease illness um, we've had a lot of we've all seen a lot of physical suffering with the COVID pandemic and different people um, passing away unexpectedly due to complications. This has been a very disturbing year. I feel like physic with physical help for a lot of us. Um, anybody think, else? Um, cancer, uh, you know, I noted cancer, the inability to do what we used to do. You know, I, I just feel like as I'm getting older, uh, I'm not able to physically do some of the things I wanted to do. You know, I, I used to run a lot and 
swim and do all sorts of things. So just kind of dealing with just getting older. And then abuse. You know, I think there are a lot of children and and women out there that are that are being physically abused and that is absolutely suffering. So right. which kind of makes me think we didn't even say that, but you know, mental abuse and emotional abuse are yeah. honestly they say is just as bad on you as physical abuse, what it does to um your brain and into your um your well being. So all of those are very um good examples of suffering. And then we have of course spiritual suffering. Um, what would that, Angel, what's an example? What do you think when you think of spiritual suffering? The first thing that came to my mind was um, just struggling with unbelief. I mean, I think even as a believer, mm-hmm. there's just periods where, you know, I'll say, Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. I know that you can do this, but I'm having trouble believing that it's going to be done. If I'm praying for someone with cancer, especially coming from the medical a medical background, I see how bad their cancer looks, and I think, Oh, that's not going to, that's not going to end well. And who am I to say that? I have a God who is the great physician and, um, and uh, in all areas, just with unbelief, um, knowing Mm -hmm. that he can, but not just not quite sure that he will. Right. Um, it's a hard one. And Ashley had mentioned habitual sin, which I didn't think of that at first, but that is such a struggle. Just like. I I thought of Paul, like, take, you know, take this from me. It was his thorn in his side, whatever that was. We don't know, but um, it's so frustrating. You think you're taking, like, two steps forward. I'll tell that to my mom. Like, I I got rid of, like, two things, but then the (laughs) Lord showed me three more that I'm now struggling with. So, So true. It feels like you can't get on top sometimes, and that can be, that can weigh you down. It does. like. For sure. And I think fear, too, is another big one that, um, and it's funny because fear is not just, you know, for me, I struggle really bad with fear. Fear of health, um, health anxiety, sudden bad news, um, you know, bad news about my children, about my husband, about someone in my family. But fear also is, um, could be a fear of, there's a fear of a lot of things, a fear of being um, truly known by people, to for people to really see who you are. Um there's all different aspects of fear, but I think fear is such a common um, spiritual stronghold because fear is all it's saying is that I don't believe God and I don't yeah. trust God, which just kind of goes back and circles around to unbelief and doubt. I think fear is very um, intertwined with that because it is whatever we're fearing. It's something that we are putting to me above God or that we're saying God is not enough for. And I feel like that's a major struggle for me personally. That in makes, all areas. That makes me think of, um, you said fear of not being known, but maybe fear of being found out. Like, right. that you're not as... This image that right. you portrayed. Yeah. Not, not that you tried to portray, but that you That want. the Lord has sanctified you and you, the shame. Mm, the absolutely. The shame of your past. Shame like, is a huge you're one. You're not who... Um, you yeah. say you are because of, yeah. and shame really. I, I actually, that's, I'm so glad you said that because I actually, I struggle with shame really bad. I have struggled with shame my whole life and I always, um, really, I'm glad that you brought that up because I feel like shame. I remember my sister telling me that, uh, shame is the first emotion that we ever feel. Mm. Um, children, that's the first thing that we feel mm. is like a fear and a shame. And I think it's so true. And you think about in the Eden, that's the first thing that they ever felt yeah. was shame. 
And then it turned into fear of God, right? That yeah. it started with, I did something and I'm ashamed and not feeling like we can be transparent with that. Um, and I struggle with that really bad. You know, I think of like things I've done in my past, um, in my younger, wilder years, and then things that weren't that long ago, that, right. you know, but as I've progressed in my walk with God, I know who I am in him, but it sometimes feels like if, you know, if they knew who I really was, or if they knew that I had done that, then they wouldn't want to be my friend or they wouldn't feel, they wouldn't see me as a godly woman. And, um, I think that just takes us back to, and I won't go on the tangent, but just the reason that God chose people like David and Paul and Rahab and all of these people, uh, in the past with, that had really rough past or, you know, sinful past, but they were still people that God noted as seeking after his own heart. And then Paul, you know, gave us the gospel of grace to the Gentiles and he murdered Christians. That was what he did before. And so there's a reason that God gives us people with redemptive backgrounds to help us in that area. But that's a topic for another day. Um, Does anybody want to share anything more about um, personal suffering before we move on? Yeah, this is Ashley, and I, I would like to just share in a, you know, s- s- telling a little bit about my suffering with my, my father. He passed away unexpectedly this past October, and he was healthy as an ox and you know, went into the hospital on a Sunday and died on a Friday. And thankfully, he knew the Lord, and it has been a season of, of suffering for me but the Lord has somehow been able to bring joy into that and he's been able to just hold my heart in his hands in a way that is impossible for anybody on this earth to be able to do and it's impossible to be comforted by anybody here the way that he has been able to comfort me there and it's I miss him every day you know my daughter got saved today she accepted Jesus into her heart, and just the first thing I wanted to do was call my dad. But I know that, you know, that he is praising the Lord right now, and so are we for her. But it is, and I know he will carry me, you know, through this, but I do want to talk about the joy, you know, that he has brought me as we continue through this study, and that. That is my word for 2022, is joy. And um, he, it's amazing that he can do things, you know, that are beyond our imagination and just exceedingly more than we can ask or imagine. And one of the things that he's just been able to do for me is give me, you know, such an appreciation for dad being with him in heaven and that has been what's carried me through that my dad just is so incredibly happy and just wide-eyed and blown away by seeing Jesus face every single day and that you know Jesus knows him by name he is walking with the Lord literally um, in heaven right now and that has um, been such a blessing in my life Mm -hmm. so um, I, I hope that, that you all um, will be able to find joy if you are suffering through the death of um, a loved one, and, and he can restore you. Thank you, Ashley. That's so awesome. Mary Bowen or Afton? Afton. Oh, yeah. I love that. So awesome. Well, I think that kind of leads us um, naturally into our second um, discussion question that we just want to go over. Um, so let's talk about what the world 
teaches us about suffering. I, you know, from a from a legalistic and some denominations standpoint, you know, you suffer because you did something wrong. You, you a sin caused you to deserve this suffering, and God is punishing mm-hmm. you. Uh, that is a message that I've heard you know pastors say, and it's it's not true. So again, we're talking about what the world says, and even though it might be coming from the pulpit, that's not what the Bible tells us about suffering. And uh, so that that's that's one aspect. Well, me and Angela, funny, we just both <laughs> turned to something at the same time, and we both are in First John. It looks like Ashley, when you just said that about. Um, God punishing. Angela, I'm not sure what yours is. I'm on 1 John 2, 15. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. Mm. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Mm. So good. That's definitely, so so it's not, God's way is definitely not what we're seeing in the world. And that worldly mentality, all of that is going to be flushed away. And, And only those of us who remain in him, we will still be standing in him because of him. And it's funny because when you said the punishment thing, so so we both turned to the same book. That was weird. Um, I immediately thought of First uh, John four eighteen. There is no fear in love, because perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. Mm-hmm. He that fears is not made perfect in love. So right there, um, we see that we know that the word when it says that God um, chastens and disciplines us, um, He does allow suffering, but a, Discipline means to teach, um, and that term, uh, the punishment term, that is not um, what we're trying. That 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 um, denomination thing, or you know, churches teaching to be afraid of God in a sense of punishment or torment. We see right here in this verse that that is not what the Bible teaches. Yes, we are disciplined for our own good, and yes, God does let us reap um, the consequences of what we sow. But when we have that. On that fear of punishment and torment by God that, you know, I'm going through this because God's just punishing me or wanting to torment me for the things that I did wrong that we see. Can y'all see what I'm saying? That yeah. is, that's not, well, that's not God's love. We have not been perfected in his love if we feel that way. And I mean, scripture after scripture is God disciplines those he loves. He is a father, a father disciplines their son right. um, because he loves us. He disciplines us, and when we are disciplined, we should see it as a good thing that we are... Making um, us more in his likeness. Right. Yeah. It's for our own protection, right? The same way we punish our kids, we discipline our children. We're not angrily punishing and tormenting them. We are disciplining them. We're teaching them um, to go turn and go the other way to out of protection for them as they get older. Hey, this is a behavior you cannot do as you get older um, and things of that nature. So and I think one more aspect I just wanted to chime in. I, I think that comes from almost like a a biblical, or not a biblical, but a, um, a 
yeah, I guess a biblical misconception about right. suffering. But I think for the secular world, the message also is, you know, how could there be a God who would allow people to suffer? And so I think we're going to kind of dig into that, mm. too, about, you know, what does the Bible say about suffering? And there are so many people that ask that question, you know, how could your God that, you know, loves people allow suffering in this right. world? And I, I think we I could... think right now that I mean, I'm struggling, not struggling. Well, I am kind of with Charlotte to explain she's watching these children Mm. Uh, you know, she sees it on the news, getting bombed, th- these families, and how could our God, who's a great God, um, allow this? Mm. And it's a hard question. So, yeah, to and to explain that to a six-year-old, um, but you can go back, and you can even go back into the Old Testament and just see some of the suffering. But God is always faithful. Mm. I, but I think we have to, too, just remember that Jesus suffered. He's not just saying just you guys are going to suffer down here while, while I'm up here right. living right. on the high on the hog. You know, that he he suffered on our behalf. And it, it's really, you know, the fall that introduced suffering right. to to us. Um, and I know we'll get into that. But, but it's not just us. He suffered first, right. uh, you know, on our behalf. And we will dig into all that because I think this, what you just said is a, you know, why does God allow this? I, I asked that eight months ago when my mom was in the hospital with COVID and we didn't know if my mom was going to make it, you know. Uh, I asked God, I really, how could you allow this? And it was a very, I talked to you all about that in the past. It was a very uh, difficult time for me and I questioned my faith in a lot of ways. Now, he did bring me out of it and I have clarity on that subject, which we will... Um, I can't wait to talk about later in the study because we all need clarity in that subject. We need to have an answer for people who ask that question. And when we ask that question, when something tragic happens to us with a loved one, the first thing we want to ask is, how could you let this happen? And we need to understand. That's why this study is going to be so important. We need to understand why God allows it and what he's doing through it and how it does benefit us and others. So I think just in the last thing about the world thing, what does the world say? Get me out of this right now. I need instant yeah. relief. I'm going to disassociate. I'm going to escape. I'm going to numb out. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's not at all what the Bible says. So let's see what... And does anybody have John 16, that they could read? Yep, I can read it. Got it. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So what do we see right here? Jesus said, what, what does Jesus say right here about trouble or suffering? It's inevitable. Yeah. Is what he's saying. Get ready. Right? Yes. It's a guarantee. And, and I do think we have to remember that Satan has dominion over this world. And he is going to ensure that we suffer. And that, that he keeps us away from God through our suffering. And God's goal is to bring us closer to him through suffering. So you can see how... You know, that again, just evil is one degree off. You know, it seems like the logical way to approach suffering is to run away or blame God, but it's really an opportunity to draw near to Him mm-hmm. and, and allow Him to take that suffering. You know, He says mm-hmm. He wants to carry it, and 
you know, his easy, his, his burden is easy and his yoke is light and for him to, to carry that burden for us. Mm. So that's something that he's trying to train us to do through this suffering. And once you do it, y'all, it's just never the same. You're suffering. It isn't, you just give it to him and he really just takes it upon himself. Mm. And it's, there's nothing um, greater than just allowing him to take that he wants to he mm. wants to carry it for us that's so good mm-hmm. and I think being just in a broken world we are in a sinful world y'all and we know that sin equals destruction and death to physical death um, mental death relational death I mean we can expect these things because um, we are in a fallen world and that makes me immediately and we will talk about this verse but that verse it says do not be surprised by the fiery trials that come upon you we're not we shouldn't be shocked and i feel like sometimes for me i still feel do you still feel shocked like you still you still have that moment of is this really happening to me and it's like why would it not (laughs) you know we are in a broken world and i think that i've you know i've been alive for 36 years and god has provided for my family and they're all still here and you know nobody's had a major um health complication or disease and it's like you know these little things come up and you just automatically feel like i can't believe this is happening it's like how many times does he tell us like if they if they hated me they're gonna hate you if they persecuted me they're gonna persecute you if you know, in this world, you will have trouble. Don't be surprised by it. And yet we still, that entitlement, I think, that we have still makes us feel surprised and like God has somehow shorted us when he allows these things to happen to us. And that's, we just, that's not what his word says. And I think it's important that we correct that mentality in ourselves because it's just going to set us up for a really rough life. And I would like to just chime in with this John 15, um, excuse me, 16, um, 20, and then I'm going to skip down a couple verses down to 22, but he says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy, which is what I just talked about with my dad. Down to 22, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And then really, y'all, I, I mean, I had this discussion with my husband just this weekend. He says, I tell you the truth. My father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. And just this morning in my devotion, I was reading about God's promises. And you can call God to the table and say, I want you to, to, to deliver on your promise. And there are reasons why he has to deliver on his promise, and he will, because he's holy. He has to keep his promises. And because of his he grace, lie. he cannot lie, y'all. Mm. And if you ask him to, to show up for you, he will absolutely do it. And, um, you know, by abiding in him, you can understand his will and ask for anything according to his will, and he will deliver it. I love that. Well, in that in John sixteen thirty three, it says after it says you will have tribulation. Then it says be of good cheer. Good cheer. Okay, which is also, um, and I think in another version, and the way that uh, it's also said in different places, the same word means to take courage, be of good cheer. Because you kind of want to be like, really, you want me to be of good cheer? Like, hey, I'm happy. <laughs> but no, be of good cheer is take courage. Yeah. We see that several times in the Bible. That phrase, take courage. I have overcome the world. So. 
-hmm. What does it mean? How has Jesus overcome the world? And why does this comfort you? I think you start with his victory over death. Yeah. I mean, um, that's, that is, that's where I would start. Mm -hmm. Um, it takes me to Romans eight thirty seven, where he says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him mm-hmm. who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. How comforting mm. is that? There's nothing. Not even the spiritual realm that is constantly against us can keep us from the love of the Lord. Mm. I love and that's that. comforting. Very comforting. And so we know that, yes, like Angela said, he conquered sin. We know he conquered sin and death. Um, I think of that verse that he says, and nothing, um, nothing shall pluck them from my yes. hand. Oh. So meaning our soul that once we are secure in him, nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can... Um, can take our spiritual lives. We all know that death is a guarantee here, right? But nothing can take us, take our spiritual, um, our that confirmation we have of our eternal hope and our security. Nothing can take that from us. No one can take that from us. And I think, too, just to step back, really, I think we get so into the minutia of our lives, to step back and realize that this suffering is temporal. Right. You know, our our gift is eternal um living with him in eternity and that is forever this is really just a a moment in time uh, that our suffering endures here on this earth so i think just kind of stepping back to think think about that it's kind of reminds me of childbirth y'all I just thought about it. We're like, these are like the birth, this is like the labor. The birth pains. Right? These are the birth pains. And it's like, you know, when you're going through it, you know, yeah, it's brutal. I don't know if y'all felt them, but they're pretty bad. And um, you think right before you think you're, when you think, okay, now I'm going to die. (laughs) And then all of a sudden there's your baby and everything's okay. And the relief is there and the joy is there and all that suffering. Honestly, you forget it. Mm -hmm. You forget it to the point that you actually do it again, knowing that you felt like you were going to die. And yet you sign up for it again. And so, to me, it, it reminds me a lot of that. And it's it's just comforting to know what we have waiting on the other side, right? And is there any more aspects to overcoming the world that y'all want to discuss before we read James? No, I think Do y'all have James on you that you want to read? I think I wrote it out, but it's probably really messy. It was James uh, 1, 2, 3, 4. So we are looking now at um, our question number five. Yeah, I'll read it. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And... Um, it really, what I kind of, I kind of dug into this a little bit and really when he says mature, what they're really saying is that we may fill the whole measure of the fullness of Uh Christ. So it means that we aren't just older. uh, We aren't just mature in our faith. You know, you could be a Christian for 20 years and not feel 
the fullness of Christ. And I think it's really that daily walking with him that enables him to sanctify us and transform us into the person he created us to be and experience that fullness Mm, of him. And who doesn't want to feel the fullness of Jesus? So bring on the perseverance. Bring on the suffering. You should... You should want to endure suffering on his behalf. And I know that Charles Spurgeon um, quoted this, and I'd like to read it real quick. It says, It would be a very sharp and trying experience to me to think I, can, to think I have an affliction which God never sent me, that the bitter cup was never filled by his hand, that my trials were never measured out by him, nor sent to me by his arrangement of their weight and quantity. So I, I think, just read that. <laughs> of course you did. I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I he, love that. He wants <sighs> us to know that he puts on us exactly what we need to... Refine us. To refine us. And grow us. us. Yeah. And it's, isn't it much easier to swallow that way? It really is. Yeah. Um, when we know that there is, he's already designated a purpose for that. And so it sounds, it sounds so countercultural to consider it pure joy. Yeah. It says count it or consider it pure. Or what was your, it said, what was it, Angela? Great joy. Count it all joy. Yeah. Count it all joy, y'all. Yeah. So that's what God says um, we're to do when we face suffering. And that sounds really hard. And next week we will actually break this verse down a little deep, deeper when we talk about patience. Um, but it doesn't feel natural to count to count suffering joy, does it? So looking at number six, why would God tell us to be joyful in the midst of pain according to James? So to, according to these verses, it says to count it all joy because... Well, I think it just, again, it's necessary in order for us to obtain our fullness in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it strengthens us. It's also an encouragement to other people when they see us walking through something that that might just completely destroy another person and they see us walking through that trial with faith and leaning into Jesus. I think it's an encouragement. It's a testament to our faith and I think it brings other people to Jesus. Absolutely. Um, Well, if we're never tested, then how can we grow? Right. You know, I just... I look when I just wrote that it tests our faith, faith, and it produces steadfastness. So if we're just living in a, a perfect world where, where there is nothing to test our faith, then how are we growing? How are we becoming sanctified? How are we living examples of Christ who suffered, who was tempted and tormented, and um, and overcame? Well, a friend of mine, I'd like to just share this. I thought it was so interesting was telling me that there were these scientists that kind of recreated this ecosystem in this bubble-like environment. They planted plants, they had trees, they had all sorts of living and breathing things in this environment, and the trees would not grow. And after a lot of research, they determined that the reason the trees would not grow is because there was no wind. The, the resistance from the wind is what made, it strong. Is what made the tree's wow. roots go down into the ground um, and, and actually allowed them to grow. And I just thought that was such a beautiful picture of us that we need resistance to grow. And I think that's, Angel, what you just I love said. that example. Mm-hmm. 
so good. And it is this hundred percent true. It's um, when we're not. Uh, it reminds me of um, John fifteen when it talks about. I am the vine and you are the branches and it, and it goes on to talk about the pruning of the vine and how, um, we ha he cuts off the branches that are no longer producing fruit. Right. And there's that, um, yeah. pruning process. It's painful. And we will get into that when we talk about refinement, um, how suffering refines us. We'll get into that a little bit, but it's, um, we see that suffering is God's way of, uh, burning off that part those parts of us that are not good that are not helping us that are not that are hindering our spiritual growth so there's just so much purpose wrapped into suffering that i can't wait to talk about um as we move forward so let's read does anybody have romans on them um angela could you read five romans five three through five and we are looking at question number seven Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Mm. We see that theme again, right? What is, so what does Paul tell us to do in the middle of our suffering? Rejoice. rejoice. Right? To glory in it, to rejoice be thankful in all things. I just remember reading that years ago and I thought, how could you be thankful in all things? And and really almost it's training yourself. It's a it's a decision also in addition to the mm -hmm. Lord's grace. It's also a decision to be joyful in all things. You don't just wake up and let the day dictate how whether you're going to be joyful or not. It is a decision, and it's something that as Christians we should wake up and decide to be joyful regardless of right. the circumstances. That's so true. Because that, that literally just says, we just read, consider it or count it all yeah. joy. Well, consider, it's an that's right. saying that we're going to make so a choice, right? What, so what are you doing to be joyful? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think people struggle with that. Like, yeah. am I going to wake up and just say, today I'm going to be happy. It yeah. doesn't matter that I'm suffering. And I'm going to suffer with a smile. Mm -hmm. But happiness doesn't necessarily right. equal joy. But don't, I'm just saying, don't you think that that's what people, yeah, uh, that's what people this, do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they want to know, and that's actually on number 10. I'm looking forward when we get to that question, we can talk about what are, if you have a practice or a discipline or something that you do. In those moments, maybe we can share yeah. and see because I feel like we people, I mean, it sounds great, you know, right. you want me to be joyful, but what does that look like when, exactly. when you get nailed because with bad news and in your tears, right? Yeah, you can absolutely. be joyful, you know, in your pain, right? And you don't have to be smiling and sh putting on a show, a fake, or, right. yeah, exactly. So I think that we should, and I guess we will touch on that just yeah. so that we can know. I've got a verse from First Chronicles sixteen twenty seven. It's just real short, but it says, "Splendor and majesty are before him; strength and joy in his dwelling place." So it's dwelling with the Lord where you get that joy. Mm -hmm. It's not just something that you can just conjure up on your own. It is dwelling with Him that brings you that joy. And I think it just circles back to our quiet time and when Absolutely. you start your yeah. day in the morning 
dwelling with him, he's going to give you that joy, regardless of what happened yesterday or today. And one of the things that I read in my devotion yesterday was that, or maybe this was a John Eldridge book, but he says that we have an infinite desire for love and happiness and that it cannot be filled by a finite world. Mm -hmm. He's an infinite God and we have an infinite desire for love and and that only God can fill that and he he will do that if you meet him and dwell with him in the mornings and we encourage you guys to go back and listen to our quiet time uh, podcast if you want to learn more about that such a valid point um so true we cannot get that joy it's not something we're going to wake up with it's a decision that we make and the decision is to spend that time with him to soak in and saturate our minds and our hearts with his word and to have a resolve that I'm going to, I'm, I'm choosing to have joy in these circumstances and then asking him for that joy. And he says, like you said, ask anything in my name. I promise you, if you ask in God's name, in your name, Jesus, I want your supernatural joy in my hard circumstances and he will deliver. Um, so let's look at eight. And just um, for a moment, just the three attributes that this says. So it's kind of a progressive thing we see here and it starts with we have several different um words for patience so patience or endurance or perseverance are a couple of the words that we see is where it begins right so god the first thing he wants to do is to produce patience okay um does anybody have any um put in your own words patience definitions i just think of waiting on god yeah waiting and then choose, you know, like we said, choosing to remain firm, mm. steadfast. Yeah. And and mine actually says perseverance instead of patience. I love that. And which is is, um, in my mind, is a repetitive um, action. Yes. Where you are just regularly enduring things, and you know, with the expectation that Jesus is going to meet you there, and 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 take whatever affliction you have and so anyway just a little bit different spin on the the word patience i love that i think it's important that's why we like to look at different i wanted to read this in hebrews um for endurance um but recall the former days when after you were enlightened you endured a hard struggle with suffering some being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partnered with with those so treated for you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one therefore do not throw away your confidence which has great reward for you have the need of endurance so that when you have done the will of god you may receive what is promised for Mm, I love that. You have need for endurance. Raise your hand if you have need for <laughs> me. Wow, that is a very good verse. Very heavy. And, um, and I love the reward part. Right. I'm reward driven, y'all. The, I am too. And the, the other part, I love that we have a better possession yes. and an abiding one. Yes. So um, even in our suffering, if people are mistreating us or um, physical, mental, spiritual affliction, we have something greater and our reward is promised and it's heavenly and it's eternal. And it doesn't leave us no. and we don't leave it. And the no. abiding is like, it's with us. 
we are with it and it's with us at all times where, you know, relieving suffering here. Okay. You're relieved one second. Great. Then it's something else that relief that you get. Right. It's never, it's not eternal. It's not, um, it's not an abiding relief. Yes. A temporary relief. Yeah. And it's then it's the on to the next thing, you know, when we, he's preparing us for, for also, if you think about it out of love, that he is preparing us for hardships down the road that are going to be even greater than these. And I mean, I think as young women, we've got young children and parents that are aging and and just things life is going to happen and the lord is gently preparing you for those things through smaller trials because he knows that there will be greater ones down the road and if you can learn to entrust him with these smaller trials that when the larger ones come that your heart will be prepared so true so true. So the second character we see is that patience leads to character. And just let's just briefly, when, when it says character, what is the first thing you think of? I immediately just think of the fruit of the Spirit, um, all of God's attributes that he's infusing yeah. in us. Yeah, I thought of the character of Christ through mm-hmm. sanctification. All right. The daily, uh, the progressive um, being made into his likeness you know, it, it should be growing daily and we're becoming more whole, more mature, more complete um, as we, we um, go about our faith walk, as we're growing our relationship with him and spending time with him. And then the final, so the character leads to hope and it says that hope, we will not be ashamed. Um, hope, just really, um, to me, you think about the world's hope. I hope, you know, I hope that I get this done this week. I hope that I get everything done on my list today. I hope that this, this plan works out. I hope this job pulls through. I hope that I'm, you know, get that thing that I wanted. Um, that's not the kind of hope we're talking about here, is it? No, I, I consider hope, and I wrote this down, hope is joy in knowing we are justified through his death, um, whether we are afflicted in life or through our own death, that we have an eternal hope in him that it's not... It's not hope, like you said, we hope something happens. It's a sure, it's an assurance right. that, that we will spend eternity with him. And that's, that's what my hope is in. And I, it's, it's not something that might happen. It right. is um, it's a sure thing. It's a sure hope. That's um, Hebrews 7, 6, 19. Um, 6, 19? No, this is 7. Oh, seven. <laughs> so funny. A better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. So I just, like you said, I kept focusing on what am I putting my hope in? What, how I've been so let down Mm because my hope was in things of the world or myself or my comfort or, and that's always going to be a letdown. And there's a better hope, the hope of our salvation and the perfection in Christ. And Mm -hmm. So funny because when you said 619 is the verse I wrote down, I was thinking, oh, I bet she's saying the same one. Hebrews 619, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. It's sure and it's steadfast. Mm. Um, so like you're saying, the, the, the better hope is that it's an anchor for the soul and it's sure. It's steadfast. It's not changing when everything around us is changing and, and we're being whipped back and forth in this ship, tossed about by the waves of the sea. We have this anchor that has us secure and it keeps us stable in those uncertain times. So our hope is an absolute guarantee, right? So it's not, um, 
and I love in First Peter 1, 3, it says Jesus is our living hope. Yeah. Like, yeah. that is amazing. So it's not just like a hope is a concept. Hope is a person, a living hope. And that person is Jesus Christ. He is our hope. So our, that hope that we develop through starting with patience to character and character to hope, it's not in a worldly type of hope, is it? At yeah, all. I want to read Psalm 25, 4 to um, actually 4 through 5. He says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, just abiding with him all day is what's going to allow you to, to have that hope. And one of the things we need to keep in mind, I'm reading a book right now called Dancing with the Star uh, Scars. It was kind of a play on that that show but dancing with the scars by barry stagner and he says we sorrow with hope we must filter all of life's difficulties through the blessed future that awaits us in heaven don't blame god lean on him and i just you know we are going to sorrow but we we do have hope and and we have to sorrow, um, you know, with hope. That's the only way that, frankly, you can make it through um, some of, of, of life's difficulties and challenges. And kind of circling back to something that Rebecca said about why, you know, why would God do something like this? And really, we honestly have to recognize that we have to move forward without the answers to those questions. And you can't get stuck in, well, why did God do this? You may never get the answer. So instead of continuing to question why he did it, just lean into him and let him guide you through it. And, you know, that we can find hope and joy and peace through him despite the challenges. That's what I call an Isaiah 55 moment. My, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As I, the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways, my thoughts higher than yours. That's literally... When I have that moment, I'll literally say, Isaiah 55 moment. I'm like, nope, I'm not going to try to understand you because I can't. And that's me trying to be my own God when I try to understand why you're doing. I am so minuscule compared to him. I can't, we can't even begin to grasp what he's doing because he, he is not bound by time. He sees the before, the after, the in-between. And we have nothing but what is, we, we can only see right now in this moment. And we just have to trust and believe that he knows what he's doing and just give up that that need to know and that need to understand, we have to give that to him. It's not ours to know. We don't have to know. Um, so let's just wrap up with number 10. I think on number nine, um, I hope that everybody will take a minute to answer that question on their own, the characteristics that you think God may develop, be developing in you the most through your current trials. And just for time's sakes, I think we'll just um, look at number 10 how can you practice viewing your suffering as joyful and what practices or disciplines could help you learn to glory in your tribulations? We talked about this earlier. Angela brought it up. What does it look like? You know, we tell you, you need to take joy and glory in your sufferings. And it's like, okay, that sounds great. But what does that look like? What does that look like? I can tell you one thing that um, Barry Stagner again says in his book, and that is to serve y'all it takes your mind off of your circumstances and not only you know he tells us that serving glorifies the Mm. lord and it does glorify him he doesn't need us to do it for him he needs us to do it for us and so 
I think just, you know, taking our minds off of ourselves and our situation and helping others is a great way to to um, help overcome your sorrow so good. And, and suffering. So true. There's a, it's your, when you're zoned in on your own, in your right. own suffering, you're just, you know, got that microscope on, yeah. this is what's going on. Well, when you pull that out and you put it around the world around you, yeah. you realize you're, I'm not the only one going through something. And what a be- there's no better way to really ease your suffering than to step into somebody else's and comfort them. And just to follow that up with a scripture from Matthew, it's five sixteen. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And when we're suffering and hiding out, nobody's yeah. seeing him shine, right? right? When yeah. we're just, you know, tucked away in our own pain and we're just zoomed in on ourselves, we're not shining a light for him. In fact, people are, I mean, to me, it makes me wonder if they're looking at us going, well, you, you claim that you have this God that you trust and that you follow, but, you know, you're going through this and now you're just shunning yourself from the world or you're playing victim or you're, you know, in this mentality of poor me, that's what are we telling them about our God when, you know, when we're just acting like the rest of the world and just, you know, feeling sorry for ourselves and our suffering and and refusing to come out of that and bring, you know, be around people again. I mean, I feel like it's really easy to look inward when you're suffering. Mm -hmm. I, I also zoning in on how he suffered and why right. he suffered. Mm, yeah. um, how can someone who's perfect and sinless and blameless suffer for someone like me who's so terrible and, you know, a sinner? And mm. um, and how can, you know, if in death you think, how could the Lord let this happen to a child or and he gave his child someone perfect and the pain and the anguish Mm. in that Mm. that we're not suffering alone um that he i mean he suffered his was perfection and ours won't be but to find some relief from that i think that you can find joy in that and take it off of yourself as ashley said and and put it on on Mm. the lord um i I too i just wanted for believers you know i think we're all, you know, everything's hunky-dory. We're all fine till tragedy strikes. And there's a, a saying out there, never doubt in the darkness what you trusted in the light. Mm, so, good. you know, we trust the Lord when things are going good. You know, I got that job. I got that raise. You gave me that house. You gave me that land. Oh, but you, you've taken something from me or my marriage has failed or my you know, loved one has passed and, and now where are you, God? So you, you aren't trusting him in the dark. And I love the imagery that Rachel and Rebecca gave us about, you know, he is uh, a, a lamp. Unto a, light, my, a lamp unto my feet and a, a light, light unto my, my path. path. Yeah. And that, you know, you are just taking one step mm-hmm. at a time. And when you are in the dark in utter suffering that he gives you just enough light for that next step and mm. to just lean into that and and know that that he will give you you know your daily bread or your next step absolutely it's a it's very um suffering is a very humbling experience because we are pride is what gets us y'all um it's all about pride thinking um it's a sense of entitlement of thinking you know how often do we really just sit down and and 
think about all the things that God has, the gifts that he's given us, our children, our homes, our spiritual gifts, um, the fact that we're sitting here together freely studying his word. I mean, all these things are gifts. And then it's like one thing goes wrong and we're so focused on that thing he took away. And it's like that entitlement. I recognize it in myself. And like I said, with my mom with COVID, that was the biggest thing I recognized in myself, the sense of entitlement. It was very, it disgusted me about myself. And I'm like, Lord, you have got help me in this area. I see this weakness where I feel like I deserve the good things, but yet when one thing goes wrong, you know, I'm coming at you like, how could you take this from me? Or how could you do this to me? I mean, if like Angela said, y'all, if we could just sit alone in a room for five minutes and imagine the suffering that Jesus Mm. endured on the cross and not to mention 33 years of a perfectly righteous life, um, hymns in Gethsemane, sweating tears of blood. He had blood pouring out of his face because he was scared and nervous, yeah. y'all, about what he knew he was about to endure, but he did it anyways for us. And when you really think about that and you think about what he did for you when you have nothing to offer him but your filth and your sin, mm. um, if that doesn't move you to want to suffer on his behalf, yes. I don't know what will. Yeah. Because yeah. that right there, that's the gospel right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um We can suffer because we know that when we suffer, we suffer, we share in his suffering. But guess what? It says, and we're going to learn this later on, that we also share in his glory. Mm. So there is a flip side to this, y'all. The suffering we're going through right now, this is not the end of the story. This is only the beginning of the story. Um, These are just the labor pains and um, that beautiful baby is on the other side. (laughs) And we just have to endure. And don't we all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. Yes. When we, when we leave this side and we're in eternity, we, I want to hear that. I don't want to hear, gosh, you were such a wimp. You always complain. You're such an Israelite <laughs> in the wilderness. <laughs> like, good job, right. Becca. You flew in by the seat of your pants. Like, that's not what I want. I want him to say, you suffered well, and here's your great reward. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being motivated by that. So I'd that like was... I'd like to read Psalm 30 real quick. Psalm 30, 11 through 12. He says... You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O oh Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Mm-hmm. What a joyful approach, um, you know, to turning wailing into dancing and just being joyful uh, through the suffering. So true. I love this introduction, y'all. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and we have more good stuff to come, but this was just really um, our little bit, um, our intro into this new um, study that we're doing. And we just hope that through this first lesson that you get something, um, that you get a good foundation for what we're about to start learning. So we're just going to pray really quick and then we will close this out. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, dear Lord, we thank you for this time together with Angela and Rebecca and all of those who may be listening today, Lord. We just ask that you would um, humble us today, Lord, and that through our suffering we may have joy and an eternal hope in you, Lord. We just ask that you would meet those of um, our listeners out there today who are suffering and who have sorrow, Lord, that you would meet them where they are, and Lord, that you would carry that burden for them, Lord, that you would allow them to have the courage to seek you out, Lord, to dwell with you and abide with you, Lord, so that you can take that burden off of them, Lord, and that this is temporal and that suffering will end, Lord, and that because you suffered for us, we are more than happy to suffer 
uh, for you, dear Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we just thank you for sending your son to die on the cross on our behalf for the sins we've committed yesterday, today, and tomorrow, Lord. We thank you for your promises that you um, tell us that you will be there for us every step of the way, Lord, and we know that you will fulfill those because you are honest and holy and truthful and gracious. And Lord, we love you so much, and we just thank you for loving us so much that you uh, would send your only son for us, Lord. We thank you for this time together, and we ask you to bless those around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.